Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we take the movies you love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic, 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 magic. I'm your co-host, Alex Dandino, soon to be joined by my real host, or maybe fake host, or maybe murder host, or perhaps a whodunit host. Who knows? You'll see you later on. Uh, Josh Griffey, and of course, our special guest tonight, Steph Cannon. However, before we get to that little business, folks, we're on Patreon now. That's right. For just a buck a month, you can join in all kinds of fun. We do all kinds of cool stuff. We talk about uh, uh, movies, TV shows. Uh, I have a cooking thing on there. I'm kidding. I barely do that anymore. But either way, guys, we have tons of fun on Patreon, and it's only a buck. And if you pay $10, you can curate a whole month of the show. Who knows, guys? There's all kinds of fun stuff to do. But either way, should you feel so inclined, contribute patreon.com slash filmalchemist. We're also on all the same socials you are, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're all over the place. We love talking to you guys. Check us out, filmalchemist at gmail.com. You can email us your questions, requests, all kinds of cool stuff. But if you request something, I suggest you go to Patreon. We're much more likely to get to it. All right, that's it. Enough business. Guys, awesome pick tonight for our Horror Beast Month. 31 pods, 31 days. Tonight, we're talking with Steph Cannon, who's a wonderful writer. I actually met her uh, last year during the quarantine. We, My friend Ryan Burke and I put together an uh, uh, anthology called Housebound, and uh, she contributed to it. Uh, Steph is a, a writer. She uh, is the co-owner of InSim Creations. It's uh, um, her and uh, I think her business partner, I think his name's Matt Knowles, I believe. Uh, but either way, they do a lot of content creation. She uh, wrote a she writes a book called Tales of Nocturnia, uh, which is awesome. So I would really suggest going to pick that up. Uh, great fantasy writer, great uh, horror writer as well. She's contributed to like Fangoria and a couple other great uh, websites as well. She came on, she picked Sleepy Hollow, Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow, which again, if you haven't watched it, watch it. It is so good because also you need to listen to the pod. If you have watched it, you're in for a treat. We got to a lot of fun stuff. Let's just get to it, guys. Here we go. Welcome back! We're here! Back in the horror beast. I don't even know what day it is right now, but I know we're talking about a kick-ass movie. <laughs> Days don't matter in the dark abyss of the horror marathon. Days are That's not a right. thing to trouble us. <laughs> 31 pods, 31 days. No shortage of great guests, particularly today. Everyone, we have Steph Cannon. What? Hello! We need one of those DJ Khaled buttons. Next Steph, time. thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Absolutely Thank wonderful. you for um, having me. Tell us what everyone should know you from right now, and then, you know, we'll get into the movie later, but, you know. <laughs> okay, so I am Steph Cannon. I am uh, primarily a comic writer, content creator. I have a uh, content creation LLC called In Symmetry Creations with my business partner, Matt Knowles. We stay very, very busy. We have a couple titles out. We have Tales from Nocturnia, which is a medieval fantasy. We have Heirs of Sealdor, which is steampunk time travel. We also have an all-ages comic that just came out on Scout Comics' new all-ages imprint, Scoot. Awesome. And uh, it's called Misfits Clubhouse. 
And I also dabble in uh, little movie reviews for uh, creepykingdom.com and horror buzz. So I like to perfect. Yes. God damn. I thought we were busy. I know. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> Got to step our game up, Alex. <laughs> I know, right? I actually, I, I met Steph last year during quarantine. We all, me and a friend, Ryan Burke, put together a uh, anthology and Steph was kind enough con- to contribute to it with uh, Tales from Nocturnia. Yeah, uh, and it was sure. awesome. It was a it lot was of great. fun. I absolutely love that story, by the way. Uh, so let's talk about this. I, I have not seen this movie in so long. I'm so excited to talk about it. I literally cannot. What Steph, tell us about the movie you picked tonight. So we have Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow from oh, 1999, I think is when it came out. I believe so, yes. Yes, yes. I believe it's it's one of those turn of the century movies, but not quite turn of the century. Quite, yes. Which they even talk about the millennium in the movie, but not just not in time for the yeah. new century. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, why this movie? Is it just in your rotation for horror movies? Is this one particular? It really is, and it's it's one that I forget how much I love. It is, I mean, I, I, I am a bit of a Tim Burton fangirl. I mean, I am wearing my Nightmare Before Christmas shirt <laughs> here. <laughs> but it has the the feel and the aesthetic that I just love. I am there for the foggy, creepy, dark, goth, um, you know, Victorian. I mean, I, you know, I've got a steampunk book out. So that there's definitely a little bit of that in there. Um, you know, there the jack o lanterns everywhere. It's just, I just, the, the first 15, 20 minutes of that movie, I'm just like, oh, I just love the way this movie looks. Totally. Yeah. That is, uh, I think the first, that first scene is, what a way to start a movie, man. <laughs> no kidding. It, I can't remember what the movie he did before this was, but I remember it being like a big deal that he lopped someone's head off in the first like five minutes of this movie. I, I, and it's like, it's Martin Landau too. So like, I absolutely loved the whole bit. Like that is easily one of my favorite openings from a movie ever, probably. Uh, and then, yeah, you get that great, you get that great, like love. Yeah. Great way to utilize Martin Landau and then promptly cut his head off. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to that. Welcome to the show. You did. <laughs> what was right before? So, yeah, I'm trying to look up. Sorry, I'm trying to pull up his. Uh, well, let's see. I mean, I know that Ed Wood had happened, and then right before Sleepy Hollow, I think might have been Big Fish. No, so he went really. Uh, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Batman right. Returns, Ed Wood, Mars Attacks, Mars Attacks, Sleepy. Mars what attacks a run! Before that, really? What a huh. fucking wow. run! Wow, I thought right? Mars Attacks was after. Wow. I know, I did too. Interesting. Huh. Huh. Wow. Yeah, so he's like, he's on a heater then. Yeah. This might have been the last Tim Burton movie I remember seeing in the theater, actually. Other than this, maybe, I think. Well, yeah, so I think this that was kind of the fun thing, rediscovering this one today. Because I know it's kind of been one of those things, like Tim Burton has lost a lot of his shine, it feels like. Uh, and Johnny Depp is having his troubles, whatnot. But I think we all forget, there was a time in my life where this pairing of Johnny Depp and Tim Burton was about as excited as I would ever get for movies. And you forget how just wonderful it is to spend time in Tim Burton's head, right? He kind of got lost in this this remake cycle, right? The Planet of the Apes and The Chocolate Factory and Alice in Wonderland and Dark Shadow. These movies that just don't, they don't have enough of Tim Burton because he's borrowing from other things. 
And this movie, of, of all of his movies, strangely enough, I feel like this is the perfect blending of all the elements that make him so spectacular. I don't know that many people would argue this is his best movie, but I think this is the perfect distillation of you say, what do you love about Tim Burton? This would probably be the movie I would look at first. I feel like this is the movie that comes to my mind when somebody says Tim Burton and you automatically picture something. Mm -hmm. That's what you're going to that's what you're going to see. It's just that 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 goth feel that yes. he's famous for at that time. Yeah, particularly this just because the vibe is so this is like to me. Yeah, this is like Tim Burton almost at the height of his power, to be honest with you, like yeah. set design. The way everything looks like, I mean, it's a script by uh, Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote seven. Like, it's an incredible and it's a great honestly, it's a great reimagining. I remember I bought the uh, they put out a really nice uh, like script book for it. So when I was in high school, I found that and he nice. wrote a forward and he's like the first like the first instance of Ichabod Crane I have in my memory is the Disney movie, which is the same thing I do. And like, actually, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I uh when I would live when I was a kid when we lived in Indiana um there's a place called Connor Prairie there and every Halloween they would do the haunted the headless horseman hayride and you'd see the headless horseman and then you'd go watch the Disney Ichabod Crane and it was like oh man that's so cool like I love sleep Sleepy Hollow's right up my alley and then I went and saw this movie it was like <laughs> still up my alley but very different from my childhood like exceptionally so. Well, it's funny, too, because that that Disney film, I think, traumatized a lot of us as young kids. It's I showed it to my kids last year and you're like, oh, it's like, you know, it's a cartoon. It's Disney. You forget how absolutely terrifying that short film is. Right. Yeah. And watching my kids have to grapple with that. You're like, what have I done? <laughs> and it's insane because I think it's one of those weird stories that it now is constantly feels like people are trying to do something with it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's specifically because of this Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Right. Is because people saw okay. the element of this is more than just a guy riding around chasing a, a skinny teacher or whatever there. He added so much extra lore and depth to it. Yeah. Right. And it's just yeah. It, I mean, it's just it's beautifully shot. And what a wonderful cast. Um, Where do you guys want to start? This is there's a lot to unpack in this movie. Yeah. Really awful lot. I have like pages of notes. I did, too. <laughs> I took a lot. Yeah, I, I might say. The good, a good place to start might be the actual adaptation itself, like changing Ichabod Crane to a like inspector detective. I actually think is a stroke of genius. Like it, one turns the whole. Obviously, the whole story becomes a whodunit, which is really cool, and actually makes the the legend of Sleepy Hollow that much more interesting for me personally. Like I actually was much more engaged with this than I think I've ever. Like I remember trying to read the story when I was in high school and. Being like, yeah, I get it. It's an old English, it's old, you know, America sort of English tale. Like, yeah, whatever. I get it. It, but yeah, I love the I, everything that was like changed and adapted from the story and expanded upon is absolutely wonderful. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I feel like making him this, and Tim Burton had said he didn't. He wanted him to have this investigative nature to him so that when he goes to sleepy hollow it makes sense there's a purpose for him to be there other than right. you know and it's it's like this weird juxtaposition to his character because he's so squeamish he's so freaked out by everything yeah. but then he's got this curious nature that just keeps driving him to to want to know know what's going on and kind of push that fear aside yeah yeah well i think it's also this wonderful thing right because it is a whodunit, but it's one of the only whodunits I've seen where they firmly 
say very early in the movie, this is actually a ghost. This isn't going to be Scooby-Doo where you pull the, you know, cape <laughs> off and it's the right. neighbor guy. Like, this is actually, so it is this fun, as you see Ichabod Crane trying to be very scientific, and we get a great backstory as to why. Mm -hmm. uh, you watch his science, right? Like, at the crime scene when he's, like, pouring powder, like, mm, yes, a single sword wound. <laughs> what? And you watch his science butting up against magic and witchcraft. And the two become almost indistinguishable. And watching him have to grapple with that, I think, is one of the really fun journeys of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is It is kind of a cool... Uh, you see it a lot in movies where there's somebody that thinks with a scientific mind and then there's somebody that thinks with more of a faith mind or a, mm -hmm. or a you know, a spiritual mind. And so you, they touch on that a little bit in this too, but kind of in a different way because the characters aren't necessarily talking about it. You just see it through their actions. Yeah. I like that, the, particularly in this movie, the juxtaposition being like someone who's like, I think like from the opener with the first time we see Ichabod, he literally has, is like trying to stop people from like throwing bodies in like a body hole. Be like, <laughs> hang on, hang on. There's a scientific explanation. He might not have drowned. Like, Whenever there's a body in the river, it's a drowning. Like, not necessarily. There's, like, yeah. other things that, like, he's it, trying to convince everybody. Yeah. Well, do you I, remember I, that I John that. Mulaney bit, right? Where he's like, it must have <laughs> yeah. been awesome to be a murderer, you know, back in the yeah. day. Because he's like, all you had to do is not be there. The constable yeah. comes in and he's like, what's that? Blood? Gross. Wipe it up. <laughs> back to my hunches. And you're like, that's what. But they even call him. They're like, what do you think? We're heathens? And they're chucking people in the cave. And we get an awesome, awesome Christopher Lee uh, moment yeah. but there is a really strange this this was one of the weird things of the movie because i remember he got sent there on a mission right and i think it's kind of a necessary adaptation thing right because in the original ichabod crane is essentially like a pilgrim machine gun kelly right he's yes. just like a very tall and lanky <laughs> yeah. guy that all the women want to hook up with yeah and so the men in the town are mad that's essentially what ichabod yeah. crane is he right? shows up in sleepy hollow in the original <laughs> literally like just there to eat and like plow, have plow. sex. Like that's yeah. it. Like those are the only things he's, he's there, there to plow to fields, plow women who have lounge diaries. <laughs> and that's yeah, what he's that's doing, it. right? That's his job. So they needed to get him there, but there's something so strange in that Christopher Lee scene when he's, you know, judging him from on high. And of course it's Christopher Lee. So it has this immense power to it. And they talk about, they've had this battle back and forth. And there's a part of me that, Oh my God, they're specifically sending Ichabod Crane there to get fucking headlocked. Like, they absolutely don't want him to come oh, no. back. They're and I had so totally tired brushed of him over that. Oh. Did you guys notice the cinematography in that scene when Christopher Lee is leaning forward and there's like this statue behind him, but it shoots yes. it in a way where it looks like he has wings? It's yes. so freaking bad. Devil wings. There's yeah. all those, like, I love that, like, he, Tim Burton does that throughout the movie. I love, yes. like, all those little cool little iconographies and stuff like that. I also always marveled at the fact, like, once they get to Sleepy Hollow, anytime it's night, it looks like a set. Like, it looks fake to me. Like, it all looks like facade. It's really weird that, like, everything, too. Like, particularly, like, I don't, like, the scene where they're, the first time Ichabod actually sees the Headless Horseby lops that magistrate's head off. Everything about that, I'm like, all this looks like a stage. Like, it all looks very, like... Yeah. whimsical almost it's a very fascinating well, it has this yeah because if it's you remember very back eeriness. um to bride of frankenstein right they do a lot of these um just immense and wonderful like long tracking shots of cemeteries mm -hmm. and you know that old universal look right this this fog on the ground 
This one captured that, but added that little twisted Tim Burton element to it. Yeah. And the whole the whole look of Sleepy Hollow itself is so wonderful because everything's very drab and, yeah. you know, kind of claustrophobic and tightly framed when we're in New York. And when we get to Sleepy Hollow, the way he pulls back in the town almost becomes this this character in and of itself, which I thought was just wonderful how he lays this out. Oh, yeah. it's one of my favorite things is the whole look of Sleepy Hollow. It's just, and again, it seems as, as the movie goes on, it progressively gets feels darker and darker and darker. Yeah. Everything has that. I, I agree. Like everything has this like universal monster movie vibe to it. I, yeah. one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they tell the story of the headless horseman, not just because it's Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Like, <laughs> yeah. One of the, like, I mean, and he's like legendary for not turning down roles, but like who would turn this down? Like, it's like, Hey, you have like tops three days of work. You don't have to like talk pretty much the entire time. All you gotta do is look weird. Is that cool? Just make your Christopher Walken gurgly just, sound. Yeah, wow. just wow. for some reason. I know everyone too, likes to hear like the way they look. It just looks like Christopher Walken. I can't even. Look at else. Like, it just looks. You got like, the the like, fucking right. Amelia it looks like doll that would be his teeth. <laughs> yeah, you're like that tracks. That's natural. We'll save some totally. money on makeup. Oh God, he doesn't actually look like that. But no, it's just it's it is this wonderful backstory to him too, right? That, that flashback is amazing. The way oh, it man. starts. I too. mean, honestly, one of the great things they do, right? Because Sleepy Hollow is almost has this kind of mystical fantasy realm vibe to it, right? Sure. But the flashbacks, every flashback we see has its own very unique vibe, right? Like the the things in the church with his mom has a very shining element. Uh, when he's watching his mom in the garden, it reminded me of Legend. Yes. And then, yeah, the yeah. flashbacks actually have this kind of, like, this war, you know, kind of mat to them. Like, mm-hmm. those old war. It's very cool. And watching Walken just tear through is this bloodthirsty monster. Awesome. It adds a little extra element. You know, one of the things that really struck me this time watching it was there's a lot of subtle storytelling with the Headless Horseman, which I liked. Because, obviously, the first job of this movie, right, besides giving him a backstory was make him actually badass, right? He's not just a pumpkin launcher. Uh, and I believe it was Ray Parks who actually was yeah. doing the yes, choreography, yes, right? Bar- Darth Maul himself, yeah. Yeah. And this this Headless Horseman is not to be fucked with. Yeah. Right? He is one of the most terrifying movie monsters of all time. But there's a scene, right? So I want to hone in on a scene. I know we're kind of jumping around, but uh, the scene when he attacks the, the ginger family. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I forget all the pioneer names, right? All the Von... The Von Fluffies Fine. or whatever. Honestly, what a great, fine description. Very entertaining. The, the, the lovely salt of the earth ginger uh, horse family, right? And there's this scene because they do this cutaway, right? Where you you see the headless horseman's dead tree and it's it's wonderful, right? Awesome. And you see the, the fucking horseman tear off. And you're like, holy shit, man. The very next thing they see is that little Thomas kid with like a fucking potpourri stick. Yeah. And you're like, no, no, not, not lovely, wonderful little Thomas. In that whole scene, right, and this is what I really like about this movie is that Tim Burton actually is going all the way horror movie, right? He kind of is horror adjacent, right? He's horror aesthetic, but he's never really been as much fully in the horror setting as this film. Yeah. And you see how fucking good he is because the, the thing I love, right, there's a couple moments that stuck out. So when the Headless Horseman shows up at the house, he fucking kicks that first door down and just blasts it open, right? Chops this dude down, right? Headlock. What I was struck by is why does he so slowly open the second door, right, to go get the wife? And it's one of those weird, subtle changes where 
are they telling me that the headless horseman somehow inside knows what he's doing and this one doesn't feel as honorable because it's his wife and child and there's these little subtle beats of him when the headless horseman goes full aggressive and when he's somewhat pulled back right and i thought that was wonderful and then of course it culminates in him stopping at the door in one of the most horrifying moments in any movie ever because you just know what's coming next. So it kills a kid. I mean, it's oh, my God. Like, oh my gosh. You, I mean, how often do you see that in a movie like this where yeah. it's, yeah. you know. And it's just like expert filmmaking to not actually have to see it. You just see the kid yeah. get just one-handed but out see, of the like. I'll ask you both. You saw it though, right? Like in your mind, oh, you yeah. saw that scene. So he doesn't have to put it on the scoreboard, right? Like, yeah, no. Oh yeah. It's actually, so Steph, what, what do you make of this I'd love to get your opinion, Steph, on what you make of this kind of new iteration, this Terminator uh, headless horseman in this film. Oh, I think it's I, I think it's badass. And you can tell that it's Ray Park, you know, knowing that it's Ray Park and watching it. I go, OK, I can see, you know, he has certain movements. He has like this very fluid movement, but he's still terrifying. Now, almost in that scene, I almost got this ring wraith vibe, you know, where yes. the in Lord of the Rings, where they yeah, and I don't totally. know if maybe they pulled from that a little bit. But it gave me the same feeling where in the beginning, you're just so terrified of this faceless. I mean, it, it, literally a faceless entity, but yeah. I, I feel like he's and but you know that he's calculating because when he pauses at the door and comes back for the kid, you're like, okay, this is not just some, some lumbering, you know, uh, you know, monster. This is something that actually is calculating a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my favorite Ray Park move is the uh, the sword flip. Like every time I know he's in a movie, whenever he has a weapon and it, like whenever he flips yep. it midair, like yeah. he has a the, signature Ray Park. Yes. He definitely has the flair of a baton twirler, right? There's a lot of wrist twirling of weaponry, yes. right? Very we'll, we'll drum major. Uh, yeah, non-lethal flare moves, right? Just a lot of that that spinny stuff, but. I think there is a really fun part of this movie is it's even like they even show it in the flashback, right? So in the flashback of the Hessian, he's running away from these guys, right? But see, that's even something they added in this one. I loved watching the the couple moments where he's very tender with his horse, right? So there is something he loves and there is something a little human, right? Because to the great effect, right, in this film, the Headless Horseman is essentially just a black shape. There is mm-hmm. almost no detail that can be gleaned. He's in the back. Like, all the backgrounds are very, these beautifully shadowy tree-filled landscapes, right? There's not a lot of separation or detail. And I think that works exceptionally well because there's nothing sticking out that's drawing our attention away f- from anything other than the horror of his actions, right? But there's also these moments of, of pause, right? And I think that's... He becomes this empty blank slate where we can put so much into the horseman, right? So even though his actions are super badass, he almost is this black hole in the middle of every frame he's in, asking us to throw our own emotional attachments into him. Totally. Well, that's like that's that that's a great beat to go off of with the Brom Bones kill. Cause like he literally is trying to avoid it's like this unprovoked thing the entire time. And then finally it's like he almost like it's funny like the horseman's like all right fine man if we're gonna do this i'll just cut you down like jesus christ like it's like <laughs> just gonna he's like, this, you in half with this, this fucking guy are you saying like, that Brom's like, like a sleepy hollow karen and he's like jesus oh yeah christ, I gotta deal just with like it. constantly poking like come on man 
come on. And then finally he's like, all right, fine. Also, I go. thought that was cool because that was probably the only non-headlop kill we saw in the yeah. film. Yeah. Dude, so there was that something, was like, he's like, I don't even want you. I don't even want your head, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, but it was also like the mo- one of the more brutal ones too. Just like like there's just buckets of red paint. Or it's actually, I think I was reading. I think because of the color tone, I think all of the blood is orange actually. Yes. And then it, yeah, the, with the blue bypass. Yeah. Yeah. It but has a very hammer whore look, right? Like yeah. that was the hammer whore had like the most red blood, right? Yeah. And this yeah. is, like, I mean, Giallo this one is stuff, super yeah. red. Like. When he's doing the autopsy scene and he comes out and you're just like, dude, <laughs> this is like the part of the movie that I actually really enjoy. And this is like, this is the thing that I think is so funny about the movie is, and this is the, it's, there's so much blood and you're like, that body is long dead that he's performing the autopsy on. There would be no blood yeah, left yeah. in the body. I don't know. Maybe pressure is building up. Who but knows? Like, how much like kind of hammer horror fun is that for him to walk out and he's just covered in blood? Well, it's like he cuts into it. There's like a splash of blood, and then the cut the cut scene is him walking out just covered in blood. It's like what happened in there? Yeah, like the, yeah, the blood well, shooting into thing, his right? dental. Yeah, it makes you wonder like how bad is this guy at his job, right? <laughs> yeah. It has a very mind hunter thing where you're like, there are no crime scene procedures. He's making this up as he goes. Right. So in your mind, you're imagining, like, oh, my God, he's butchering this pregnant corpse in there. Yeah. And he's our hero. He's the guy we're supposed to be latching on to. Right. I, I thought I, I really liked the dynamic of him trying to, like, kind of suss it out as he did. Um, One thing that also was really stunning. this I forgot how good just the supporting cast was. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. absolute dominant character actors in every I mean, it's role, like right? the Tim Burton greatest hits of supporting actors. Like all of these guys are in all the other movies. And you're just like, oh, thank God this like, guy's in it. It's all stars from Harry Potter and Star Wars. Essentially. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea. I didn't remember that so many actors from Harry Potter were and Star Wars were in this movie. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, but it's great because that opening scene, right, where he shows up at the the Von Fluffles, the Von Fluffles, what's their name? No, the Von Huffles. Uh, no, I don't you know. know what? Whatever. Just he shows up Von at Huffles. the wealthy white party, right? Yes. The, the fucking hoedown or These whatever. Wealthy they whites. Them. Yes. I don't know if they were hoedowns back then, but neither here nor there. <laughs> so he's at the hoedown, right? Von and the Tassel, moment he shows way. up and he kind of is like, yeah, I'm here. I'm a constable. You just watch. It's his beautiful shots of them all like darting eyes around the room. And it's just this really awesome whodunit setup, right? And I love yeah. the scene when they go in the office and you That's see all of them the are movie, playing man. poker with him, right? It, it reminded me of like a scene you'd see in Rounders, right? Where they're all like, how much can I lay out yeah. to lead him along, let him know that I'm playing with the team, but everyone knows something. Yeah. And the way they unfurl this through the movie, I actually thought it was cool. Because I remember when I was younger, I, I thought that the mystery segment was a little clunkier. Uh-huh. Right where I was like, enough of this mystery bullshit. Get to the horseman. <laughs> I actually was shocked at how efficient I thought the mystery was today. Yeah, that's actually that scene too is one of the most confident we see Crane. He's kind of walking around. He's kind of going up behind them and talking yeah. to them. And it's the t- it's uh, the rest of the movie. He's he's freaked out by everything, and it, he's it's very obvious. Yeah, but yeah. he comes across <laughs> very very sure of himself in that scene, which is kind of cool. Yeah, well, also it ends because we get that switch, right? After he hears the Hesse and he's like shaking with the tea. Shaking the, the tea. teacup, but yeah. I mean, there is so much just brilliant little cut-ins like that, right? That are just yeah. telling us an enormous world about what's going on. 
But I, I thought that was a really cool scene. I love watching the guys slowly start to turn on each other. The mystery yeah. I thought was actually captivating because one thing that I was struck by because I had seen it obviously before and I knew who did it. I was shocked at how blatantly obvious Tim Burton made it the whole movie. What's yeah. going on here? Right? Oh, yes. Like he didn't hide the uh, Daenerys Targaryen hair and the, yeah, the no. only black dresses. <laughs> it's interesting. Like here's, and I thought about this a lot today is like, because it's so obvious, like none of us are trying to spend the movie figuring out who did it. We all have a like almost immediate idea of who it was. Like once Miranda Richardson shows up on camera, you're like, oh, cool. There's the little girl. All right. Got it. Like that's fine. <laughs> yeah. She like, did it. There's a scene literally where he's hugging Christina Ricci and she is in the whitest dress. She must have been hidden in a cave for months before they filmed this movie. She is translucent, jellyfish colored, right? And then the whitest hair you've ever seen. And the next shot, he like falls like, oh. And he wakes up and there she is like scowling and wiping his brow in an all black dress. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, didn't hide it at all. Well, no. But that's kind of the cool thing. Yeah. Is that. It's not a movie like, let's say, Knives Out, right? Where the entire movie hinges on how interested you remain mm -hmm. in who did it, right? In right. solving the crime. I think it's pretty impressive that I still remain very engaged in watching this plot unfurl, knowing exactly who did it right. almost immediately, right? <laughs> I think that's what's interesting is like the psychology of the movie is almost because we already know it works twofold is like you're trying, you're waiting for Ichabod to figure it out. Like, you're like, how long does it take? Because you're like, you're now, because we all know, we're now judging his detective skills. Like, you're like, dude, how many of these apparatuses <laughs> are you going to pull out before you just, like, start pointing at people? Yeah. But then the other thing is, like, Griffey was saying, like, yeah, these people that are just starting to, like, eat each other alive, trying to, like, pointing fingers and shit. And it, it does a lot with, like, because of the time period it takes place in. Obviously, it takes place many years after. But, like, you know, you have a little bit of Salem Witch Trial vibes. And you have a lot of this whole other thing I, I i love that juxtaposition and i like that actually yeah we figure it out almost immediately so like we don't spend the movie distracted trying to figure it out before the rest of the characters do we're waiting for everyone else to catch up to us so we're engaged in the story the whole time it's really cool it's fun watching it and knowing how how it all plays out and being able to pick up on the little nuances there's a lot more mm -hmm. subtle humor in yeah. it that I, I always forget about, especially his squeamishness and, and how he react. I mean, you want to talk about show, don't tell. His facial expressions are so top notch because I <laughs> yeah. just think, you know, that's exactly how I would react in that situation. And he does it without any words. You just see it on his face, and yep. it's it's very it's it's very reminiscent of uh, Jack Sparrow. Sometimes, you know, it's very much the overacting with the facial expressions. But I just yeah. love it. It just makes me laugh every single time. I think because we for yeah, I think we forget a lot of the time that Johnny Depp's like a actually a really not just a really good actor because we've just like seen him do one thing a lot. But I, I forgot watching this movie, like how much fun he is doing kind of like comedy. Like, yeah. I remember, I think he did an inside the actor studio and someone asked him like, what inspired Ichabod Crane? He's like, oh, I was just doing a Nancy Drew impression. And then, <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of weird. But my, 
in, in relation to like the comedy aspect, my favorite bit is when he like is like having a meltdown in the bed the day after he sees the horseman. Like those that bit right there, I'm like that actually is very well done. Like and impeccable accurate, comedic timing. Timing, it's wonderful. You would be traumatized, you know, yeah. and it, oh, it's fuck, not yeah. to think that he would be. I mean, even though he's a constable, he sees dead bodies. He's not seen <laughs> what he's seen there, and it's <laughs> the part. One of my favorite scenes is very well into it after he's seen some shit and he's in, in the room with the kid and he sees the tarantula across the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which of course is exactly how I would be. But the kid is like, it's yes. just a spider. <laughs> well, especially yeah. after the myriad of whores he's already witnessed <laughs> and whatever yeah. he did to that poor pregnant corpse. Like you're like, really the spider? But I mean, it's it's true to who he is. He sees it off screen at first and gasps. And so you're wondering what the hell is it that he's looking at? And he jumps up on the chair and then it's just this fire. Oh God, dude. Oh, oh man. It's awesome physical <laughs> comedy. I forgot I forgot about the gasp. I actually laughed really loudly in my house when he was like, <gasps> Well, I, so I think good. that scene too is really cool because you're laughing at him, right? It's very funny, but I like that scene you were talking about too, where he's he's confronting the horror of Oh my God, it's it's real, and they're like, "Yes, we yes, all we told, told you. you this. We, we've, we've been telling you this whole time." <laughs> and it, it's <laughs> funny because it feels like us, the audience, saying, "Yes, we know what's happening. Get with it. Like, get on with this yeah. story." And yeah. I like that when he comes down and he goes, "I have faced my fears and I am ready to battle this whatever." Right? He's like ready to show down with the ghost, and I thought that was really cool because you actually start to see this turn in him. Right? That he somehow is going to try to science this ghost to death. Right? <laughs> Right. And it, it, it's just, it's really wonderfully played, right? I like that, like, coming out the other side. I, I thought it was cool they actually stopped to let him have his mental breakdown. Yeah. Right? And didn't just make him, like, very stoic throughout, right? They constantly remind right. you. Like, even when he's heading into the witch's cave, how he hides behind the recently orphaned young boy. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, he just at his core is just a coward. And he's never yeah. going to get over it. And I thought... I thought that was cool. And that doesn't really dissipate even when he's doing the kind of no. mummy-esque I, Brendan Fraser segment of the movie. I mean, even his, even his like courageous moments, which is really like, I don't know, I guess throwing the skull to the headless horseman, like even that stuff, like, and, and then when he's trying to chop into the tree, those yeah. are the only two moments I can really remember where he's like trying to like put on a brave face. But then again, he's like, he like chops the tree and a little bit of blood spurts in his face. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's still grossed out by it just, yeah he like can't he like like this is a guy who's now like cut open a lady who's pregnant and seen a headless horseman and he's still like oh, so gross like dude get with it i mean but to again, be fair it is though of course no i feel oh, like yeah. there's something that movies do right where it's like ah vampire and they're like all right i've settled that like i'm good and it's like no every time you see the vampire it would still be fucking scary yeah and earth shattering like especially living in a puritanical religious society Having to confront that there's a fucking horse demon with a fucking hellfire sword, that would dis that would be hard every single day you had to come to work, right? Like that doesn't yeah. just well, that never go gets away. dull. Yeah, you know, right? it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not like you're like, oh god, the line at Starbucks is long again. I'm yeah. ready, right? It's yeah. Not that. But I that is one thing I I loved about this movie too is they had amazing horror movie set pieces, right? And I think the two most spectacular by far, the tree of the dead is oh, wonderful. So cool. Incredible. I mean, it's just wonder. And even, yeah, the roots having blood in them. 
And this is the point in the movie where we're all the way, right? Like, before that, you have this, maybe there's still an explanation, right? Like, maybe he has the yeah. sword in a forge or some whatever the fuck. This is where, oh, no. I'll, actually, I guess that's not true, because there is the scene of the mist coming out and grabbing the torches. But even uh, then, you're still like, That's That could be a weird. scared man's recollection, sure, right. right? Exactly. But this tree is the absolute, like, we are doing a full-on fighting the supernatural movie, and the bloody trees... And the uh, the the heads kind of the heads are moving in there. They're not just stuffed in there. Oh, yeah, they're like yeah, the heads like. Ugh. Yeah, I when he when the when the horse comes out of the tree too, like it like like changing in size and the heads moving back. Like oh my god, dude! Like yeah, <laughs> come on. And it's kind of cool too that the effects on that hold up today. Oh, yeah, you, no, you, don't, awesome. you don't look at it and go, "Oh, this is aged." You know, it it still no. it still holds up really well for. No, yeah. I think that was. There are only two moments that are really bad, right? And it made me a little sad. Like, so the witch scene, the witch's eyes, yeah, the witch is phenomenal, and the witch is yeah. such a fucking awesome, perfectly paced, terrifying moment. And when she lifts her head up, and it's yeah. like the two like snail eyes yeah, in the, the tongue, eyes that come out. You're just like, why? Because yeah. that goes away in like a second, and then she's just mounted him, right? Like a UFC fighter. Right. And it's just the hollow just like the witch holes. Face. And you're yeah, like, yeah, awesome. that face is perfect. That face yeah. is terrifying. Why did we need the fucking... That and then maybe when the Headless like Horseman's they, like growing his muscles back. It but, felt like they know. wanted to make it 3D. There's that scene, and there's yes. a scene where Brom <laughs> throws the... When Brom is pretending to be the horseman, he throws the, throws the, the pumpkin. pumpkin at him, and it's, it comes towards you, and it's almost like they wanted to make yeah. this movie 3D or have a 3D version of it. And that I wondered if that was a nod to the Disney cartoon. I assumed it was. Because it's but one I of agree. the weird things. When yeah. he throws that pumpkin, it was always one of the weirdest things when I was a kid. It felt like it was coming out of your TV. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, oh, there's also the part when he fucking javelins the preacher, right? That yeah. felt like a 3D moment when the thing burst through yes. the, the old man Von Fluffle's chest or whatever. <laughs> I'm never going to remember what his name is. I'm so sorry. Von Tassel. Oh, I was close. That was pretty close. Yeah, you know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Wheelhouse. It had letters. I had the bond. <laughs> you had, you had, L E L. Yeah, I. Uh, the the headless horseman's head regrowing is always one of those things where I feel like because just because he ducks in and out of frame, I'm like, this had to have been like a we'll fix it in post thing or something like that. Like it's one of those moments where again, it doesn't bother me because there's not a lot of CGI to it. Like just because he keeps going in and out of frame. I'm like, I get it. It's that, that was always going to be a no go because everything is shot and lit so beautifully. Right. Mm -hmm. That when you just put a cartoon in there, it's just not going to fit, but they did that pretty quick. Right. It's not as egregious as the fucking snail eyes. That one was just like, how you watch that movie and you didn't like no one was like tim i have one note i have yeah. one note <laughs> maybe not the monsters eat guys and it's not even needed she's creepy enough on she's her own enough. you didn't even she's need that perfect on her like, own the preamble leading up to it is literally her like murdering a bird squeezing out all its blood purple smoke like yeah. it's perfectly set and I she kills it because like, the... no big deal, you know. Yeah. It's like every day, yeah. you know. And she like doesn't even just cut off the bat's head. She's like bat's head. Sorry, not a bird. Oh it. yeah, she's so <laughs> gross. 
But oh. that's what I mean. The moment those eyes come out, you're like, I'm uninterested in the rest. Yeah, it of takes the you out of it. Yeah, it takes you out of it for a little bit. And that was that was the scene. That's one of my favorite bits in that movie because uh, the new Hellboy movie, right? That movie wasn't wildly loved, but that witch scene in that, I love any scene where you're in like a witch's lair. Yeah. Right? And they start, you know, getting into their routines. And that was a really fucking good one. Just kind of, it's kind of weird because that was just tucked into the middle of this movie. And I have no idea why that witch existed in the movie. She was the twin. But I have no great idea why any of this I feel like she's kind of the MacGuffin in the movie. Like she's the, she's Uh, the out. I see She's letting you know she's almost the fairy man to the the supernatural world. Kind of. I mean, she right. will. She, what she is is she's the scapegoat essentially. She. I mean, that's exactly what she ends up being. Yeah. But like in a completely different way than any of us expected. Steph, I'd love to ask you about that. What do you, I would love to hear your thoughts on the uh, the kind of addition of witchcraft in this movie? It's a very heavy and omnipresent theme throughout the movie. Is this addition of witchcraft? What did you uh, What did you make of that? They, they try to give it a little bit of a lore and, and, you know, even when he is, uh, you know, showing the little, the little trick with the little wooden thing that spins to Christina Ricci and she's, she says, Oh, you know, you know, magic. And, and he's like, it's not really magic. (laughs) So there's, there's kind of his, and and it, it fits too, because he's from the city, he's from New York, he's very practical and he comes to this little hamlet this little village of Sleepy Hollow where everybody is kind of condensed in together. And so I feel like it's just sort of what it's like, this collective hive mind of what they believe for, for witchcraft, you know? And so it, it touches on it just a little bit, but not so much that it, it makes you, you know, it, it takes you away from what's really going on with the rest of the plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we see the twin sisters are witches. Christina Ricci's dabbling in it. She yeah. got the book from her aunt's. Or her mother, right? Yeah, her, her mother mom. might have mother. had. Yeah, yeah, her mother was into the witchcraft. Johnny mm-hmm. Depp's mother was into witchcraft. Yep. So there was just this theme of of women using the witchcraft to, you know, and it wasn't always. I like that it wasn't just all evil spells. Almost all of the witches were using it for good. Almost right? all yeah. the witches yeah. were good, yeah. except for the obvious, you know, black hat of the movie. Yeah, but of you know, that's fine. I thought that was a cool because it, it gets at this thing that's really fun, right? Which is they're all just fervently believing in something, right? Like the the old white guys all believe in their power over the town, right? Their offices and their lofty positions of power. That doesn't protect him. Johnny Depp believes in his logic and science. That doesn't protect him. They believe in the witchcraft. That doesn't protect them, right? So I think there is this kind of, it's breaking down this idea that no matter how you become a zealot, right? If you're all in on one thing and you can't just acknowledge what's happening in front of you, and the human cost. I thought that was kind of a fun addition. And they hammer that home in one of the things that's probably my favorite after watching it today, which was the the backstory of Ichabod Crane's mother. Um, that blew me away because I had remembered it, right? Like when they showed he had the, uh, you know, Ego waffle hands or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I remember, I remember that. Um, but when you watch it play out, those sequences are stunningly shot, right? Because that's when everything goes all white. Yeah, you know it's almost this 2001 like religious horror movie kind of room. Uh, yeah. What did you think of that, Steph? What did you make of the the flashback scenes? Oh, I I love love how they did that. How they utilized color and tone. I mean, you they don't even have to explain anything about 
his background and what the flashback is about, you get it completely as soon as you see, okay, this is something nice. This is a nicer, this is a better time. This is a, a somewhat nice memory that he has. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's just the, the difference. And then when it goes back to this dark, you know, gray place, you really feel that. Yeah. yeah, and it's especially I, I forgot too. That's another of your possible three D theory moments is when his mom falls out of the Iron she pops Maiden. Pops out of the Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah. and you're See? just like, God damn! Not only did they kill lovely Ginger Thomas, but now they're like, she is like the elevators in The Shining, just gushing blood on this boy who falls on a spiky chair. Yeah. I was like, this movie has no chill towards children whatsoever. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's really horrifying. And then I forgot this detail where at the end because they you see the the pastor to, or the preacher father whatever turn into the horseman in one scene right when ichabod finally sees his mother that's his father his father was the preacher who destroyed his own mother and it's this wonderful kind of tying together of the themes right of why he is so fervently attached to this kind of science that will destroy like the religious dogmatic practices i i thought that was such a wonderful addition because i think it's one of those things when you're a little younger, you so want to get to like the who did it, get to the kills, and anything that's a diversion from that seems like a waste of time. And I think this one, it does meander at times, but to really wonderful effect. And I thought that was probably the best example of that. I think yeah. it's interesting, too, how all the characters deal with death and how they handle death in the movie. They're, they're all just kind of ambivalent about it. Even the kid at the funeral, yeah. the kid is like, goes up to, goes up to Crane and and it takes you a while to realize that this kid is at his dad's funeral and yeah. is acting like there's no big deal. And and Crane kind of gets up and, you know, go home to your mom. He's like, my mom's dead too. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. just so matter of fact about it. And the same thing with uh, Katrina, when when Brom dies, you can tell that she didn't have that much. She says to Crane, she says something like, you know, I cried, you know, I cried my tears over him, but I wasn't heartbroken. It's like, yeah. ah, you know, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> It is that is like that for a movie that takes place not in the real world. That's like probably the most realistic thing is like everyone's like death happens, man. I don't yeah. know. I mean, like when by the, by the time we're 15, we're all middle aged. So, you know, yeah, exactly. That was yeah. a hard time back then. Right. And so it, it actually leads to this extra. It kind of reinforces how fucking scared they are of the horsemen where yeah. you're like, they're so unaffected by almost everything else that happens. But the moment that dude shows up, oh, my God. Yeah. And it, it it reminds you probably that they're they're not as afraid of the dying, but of uh, being trapped in hell. Right? And yeah. it, it's reinforcing yeah. this kind of yeah. extra scary idea about where the horseman's from and what he represents, right? I think yeah, I, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah I, I mean think I think that's a really sorry. good point. Yeah. I think visually everything does such a good job of displaying like not just like blood and carnage in this movie but just visually everything that gives you the explanation of death without actually explaining what happened like again the those dreams the memories are probably the best i mean it might be some of the best showing not telling i've seen in a movie ever like there's no dialogue and you don't need it because again like it's all visual cues and then yeah everybody else is just Young Masbeth the whole time he's just chill like he's just he's again he's it's my he's my favorite character in the movie because he's just so like great. we'll figure it out man I don't know yeah. he's just like y'all hiring as he's throwing dirt in his dad's grave yeah, he's, he's just like, like I've seen some shit I need yeah. a job 
Y'all take resumes? Just throwing fucking dirt. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens, right? It's yeah. it's it is wild because, uh, God, yeah, the death is really cool too. Because then you see how uh, the stepmom deals with death, right? And she has this almost orgiastic reaction to death, right? Oh yes. Uh, when, when we see her flashbacks that very much look like Gone with the Wind scenes. And she's just head chopping, you know, the servant and her sister for good measure. There's this real release and power of having the ability to do that. I, I thought that was cool. One thing that was really, I'd forgotten that Ichabod just is the worst detective because I think the moment you see the, uh, the woods bloodbath sex, oh, that yeah. should be a red flag. That should be yeah. a, I better write this in my journal with the five other catchwords. Yeah, because that's just kind of odd. You know, he just yeah. sort of seems to show up at all these weird times, seeing people like. Oh. Yeah, nobody seems to be discreet about just banging out. No, and he's always there when it happens. Yeah, well, she's like, I got the doctor on his secret amour with the fucking servant. You're like. Ichabod walked right past that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is not. He is not Palpatine hiding his secrets. Yeah. yeah, this is very upfront, right? This is the power, infinite power. Uh, yeah, I, and also it's weird they didn't even acknowledge that that was the priest. Like yeah. Ichabod didn't. He's just like, hey man, I didn't see shit. <laughs> like, I'm cool. and, and again, his facial expression during that scene is just kind of like, okay, <laughs> this is well, how they do with this Sexual activity over here. Is that yeah. yeah? Is that an addition by subtraction? Are we just being like, wow, maybe Ichabod? Ichabod's a freak. Ichabod, <laughs> they're getting <laughs> back to that Disney Machine Gun Kelly Ichabod that we're so <laughs> used to. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that scene was strange, strange to yeah. say the least. It's yeah. peculiar. Yeah, I mean, again, like most <laughs> of the actually, my favorite like weird sex murder in this one is uh, with Ed Rooney <laughs> when uh, she's having the flashback of uh smearing blood on him i'm just like dude this is the guy who literally like fucking just threw it in everyone's face the whole time like i love how hypocritical every single adult in the town of sleepy hollow is yeah oh yeah like it's it's my favorite part of the movie is that again this is like i've always like this time watching it i realized like this movie really is about the seeking of all types of truth like not just the truth of like who killed who and what happened, but like the truth about religion, the truth about what you believe in, the truth about logic, like all these things. But then like the truth of self is so prevalent and like undoes everybody in the town to the point no where no one has like, it, <laughs> where no one. Yeah. Like nobody is where, honest. And like to yeah. the point where like the only honest person is literally like the people running from the uh, running from the headless horseman, which is like, yeah, which is Ichabod, uh, katrina and young masbeth like yeah. they're the only ones telling the truth the whole movie yeah and we don't we literally it's it's almost as if the <laughs> the horseman chops their heads off and then their secrets fall out yeah right we're like oh <laughs> that's exactly what it is. right and, <laughs> but it is it, it's that's another thing because you had talked about the small kind of like cloistered fortress of sleepy hollow right mm -hmm. and it's kind of insane to think about because i lived in an ex exceptionally small town where i grew up right and it's, there are no, see, as soon as anything happens, we're like, oh, something to talk about today. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's wild in this one. How much, how many secrets? Ha I mean, to be honest, if I'm being fair, one of the things that's not great about the film, I still have no fucking idea what happened. Like who was fucking who and who was going to get all the money. Yeah, I was like, I know there was a lady who had a baby who had to go. Who married who? But I was secretly. like, who knocked her up? 
Who, wait, the is lady? Katrina's dad the one that knocked her up? Uh, no, I thought it was. Or it was See, the guy like, at the start of the movie. These guys bang. No, are you talking about the emperor? I thought Emperor Palpatine I'm, was the father. No, Emperor Palpatine was the doctor who fucks the cleaning lady. Right. Yeah. yeah no, I yeah. knew that. I thought he also. This fucked, is what I'm saying. You know, so the, okay. at the Same. start of the movie, right? People the have first way too much two people. Sex. Like it was very complicated. He really got around for an old dude. Like wow, everybody. Well, what else do everybody. you have to do? I know. I mean, go really, to church. It's true. Also, it's, it's probably hard to not constantly have sex when it's six o'clock at night. And you're like, no, son. And everyone's house looks like that Ricky Martin video. <laughs> right. It just instantly puts you in the mood like you can't help yourself. It's La Vida Loca at 630 and sleepy. What else are we going to do? Yeah, right. <laughs> not like there's, it's nice outside. Yeah, There's no more land to till. So now we work indoor. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I still don't know who fucked who to make this a thing. It's so, I mean, they this said is it the was thing. Von Brussel who did it, but then I think it was the old guy at the start. I think it was his son. No, Von Tassel's the one who kicked the family, like the daughters, like their family kicked them out of the cottage. Yes. Right. But that's why she killed Katrina's mom and was going to kill her dad is because they're the right. family that kicked him out. Right. Correct. But who knocked up the, the widow, Widow Winship? Crenshaw that had to get got. Widow Winship was... Thank you. <laughs> was, it the, was it the lawyer, the magistrate? Uh, Alfred? Was it Alfred? No, think, that's what I mean. I don't know. You think it's the magistrate because the magistrate kind of comes up and says, you know, there's there's four graves, right. but there's five bodies. You think it's him because he knew that yeah. she was pregnant, but it's not. Right. it ends up not being him. Also, no one in the cloistered old men that, like, debate in that room look like they're prime candidates for like steamy affairs right it's yeah, yeah. It's, you're like I these mean, guys are not like the prime meat of the town the widow could have had a better choice <laughs> i mean and there's some young farm boys around or something yeah, yeah. those von i mean those von garrett's were very handsome the masbeths yeah. my goodness well what we don't realize well, is that all those old men are actually 32 because of the lies <laughs> they led them in the crazier thing is that Brom Bones wasn't just cleaning up the entire time. Like, this yeah, is Casper no Van Dien. You're telling me Johnny Rico? You think his pull? name is Brom Bones because he's sitting there driving? Oh, his name's not Brom Bones for nothing. Come on. Yeah. That is a stage name if I've ever heard it. You're telling me Johnny Rico can't pull in Sleepy Hollow? This seems wrong. Incorrect. I think he is. I think I, I think everyone so. in Sleepy Hollow is, True. is I guess it doesn't take much. in candlelight and, and moisture. I think it's everywhere. <laughs> it is like, again, like this is the, but that this, it's interesting. Like we talked about this earlier and it's like, we're having this conversation about who had sex with who and all this stuff. Like this is the most fascinating aspect of the movie is like, we all should be like connecting the dots and having to like, when she finally, like when Miranda Richardson comes in and like gives the whole story, the whole story of why, why things are happening, who killed who, who fucked who, all this other shit. You're like, None of this matters because a I've been entertained the whole time, but also like now yeah. I know for like I know with us with absolute certainty. So the rest of this movie is going to be a very uncomplicated and b wildly entertaining. But that's the it's funny when movies are foregone conclusions, right? Because I think yeah. most movies are terrified of the audience being ahead of them, and that's when you mm -hmm. see movies fuck up when they're trying to be too clever because they're afraid we'll figure the movie. Out. It's fine if we figure the movie out. 
And it's also fine if we don't. Like I said, I still don't know who fucked who and why the deed mattered. All I knew is that someone was getting a lot of money and that yeah. this crazy lady in the black dress wanted it. That's all I had to know. Which is all you need to know. Yeah, and then oh I'm like, gosh. wait. So Christina Ricci grew up in the house with the fucking Grady twins from The Shining that are now controlling the ho- <laughs> All right, fine. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, I was like, like, the horseman's coming. It's great. Because at that moment when she's laying it out, they do this great strangers on a train shot, right? Where Johnny Depp is riding on the horse and the horseman's yep. riding. You're like, I don't give a fuck what you're saying. I want that. Like as soon as yeah. as long as we're getting to that, great, go for it. <laughs> All those yeah. other little details, they they end up not yeah taking so yeah. much a big deal. I love I love the like red yarn the red yarn scene where they're just like connecting all these yes. dots. Like oh my god, like it's so entertaining because it is like this. It's almost like a pastiche on the joke of it being like oh well, this person had sex with this person, this person, this person caused this. Like it's almost a gag. Because again, yeah. like it does not matter story wise. Like we're all plugged in. It, but Did I it, tell it, you, it, I was named after a soap opera. My mom, when she was pregnant with me, watched Guiding Lights every day, and, and that's that what I named after Joshua. Yeah, because Joshua and Reba was her favorite story, and so uh, like she uh-huh. would watch that shit all the time. There you go. And I was like, this movie has a lot of soap opera vibe, right? Oh, Where totally. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh my god, fornication. Yeah. <gasps> blood blood sex. <gasps> she and it's like with yeah, It's it is, but it's just so it's just salacious like yeah. you know, rolling out. And I think it plays cuz everything in this movie is, right? Like the fact that when he kills people, it's like a pez dispenser kill, right? Like the heads are spinning around like tops and it's oh it's not god. like a kill killing is a brutal horrifying thing. They're all killed like they're piñatas, right? Like yeah. they're just there for our fucking birthday enjoyment. Well, let's it's, not forget, too, that the magistrate's head literally gets lobbed off and goes right in between Johnny Depp's face. So good. Face. Yeah. yeah. One of the best. One of the best beats in the movie is just like. You know what's funny, though? I actually want to bring that point up. That was a really cool scene was in the church because that's the only time where the death actually feels scary. Right? Because that's when they start fighting and they're like, I know it's you, know it's you. And they're like, yeah. all the snakes are turning. When yeah. the priest fucking brains Palpatine. Yeah. That was gnarly. The sound Dude. effect of that. And then he, oh, yeah. boom, he gets shot and then, you know, he gets speared and headlocked. And then we're back into like comical right. murder. But like what that's, that's scary because that's the only death that's like caused by just mass hysteria or just like another yeah. character besides the horseman in the movie. That's humans now. Yeah. That's, that's a human kid. death. Yeah, that's a grid that makes it much more grisly because yeah. even when totally. the stepmom kills her sister and this and that they're, again, they're in these kind of shot low gone with the wind scenes. That seems like a cartoon. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a real death. Right. That moment with the cross, especially killing him with his own giant cross yeah, because he doesn't brutal. want him to say some truth. That is a stunning yeah. and beautiful visual moment. Right. And I love that shot when they kind of come over Katrina, who's passed out and we see the, you know, blood and bodies on the floor. With the mm-hmm. bloody cross and then the witchcraft sign, right? And everyone just it's starts really fucking cool, jumping man. to conclusions. That shot's it's immaculate. Such a great shot. This whole film is just beautifully lush to watch, right? Yeah. Um. All right, so then we get to the, the ending here where we kind of have this, you know, the mummy vibe with Brendan Fraser, right? It's kind of a fun, like, on the character. It was surprisingly fun. Like, I really liked that movie. I found yeah. myself immediately when they got on the carriage. We just did this insane cobra style explosion of the windmill yeah i know it gets on fire and then it 
explode. <laughs> and I even watched it yeah. too to go, wait a minute, why is it exploding? <laughs> My theory is, is that Dr. Palpatine was building a death windmill. And when he hit the exhaust port, it... But yeah, I was just like, right on. Like, And then they did the zombie carriage chase and it was great, right? Yeah. But I think that ending at the tree is so much fun. Oh, it's... Oh, is, dude. It's so much fucking fun. <laughs> Again, like that scene like that set piece just like brings so much joy and so it's much the perfect tim burton set piece right a gnarly yes. black twisted bleeding tree if there was ever a tim burton set piece built that wasn't like for a claymation movie he made like that's yeah. the piece but even I, that right the scarecrow from the opening of nightmare before christmas i believe is the same scarecrow it book. is yeah it's, it's, it's been it around is, yeah. the same thing yeah lovely oh, yeah. love it yeah lovely. it's just that like at the then, end oh. you know when you've got those last scenes and it's just gorgeous everything is it's not cloudy and foggy and dark anymore and it's just beautiful and pretty and katrina steps out and she's got this this that black and white dress on that's totally beetlejuice totally jack skellington there's just like yep. these little bits of yeah. of, of uh, Tim Burton in there just to kind of show, okay, this is, you know, cause that, that scene makes me feel like uh, a lot of the scenes in big fish. It reminds me of that. It's mm -hmm. just overly bright and mm -hmm. pretty, but then she steps out wearing that. It's like, okay, no, we're still in a Tim Burton movie here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. that scene had something that has been burned in my mind since I was a teenager and saw it. I still don't know what the fuck he did to her mouth when he picked her up and kind of like, bit kiss her oh yeah i oh, assume yeah. he like and there's blood and he mouth. turns out he's like ah <laughs> and then i thought he the, like, the horse kind of jumps into the gooey this was really funny because this was right when my wife walked in right i'm watching it <laughs> she had finished putting the kids to bed and she comes down and she just looked at me and gave me this kind of quizzical look and then the horse jumps in the tree and she goes Pff. and i go what she goes i'm not buying it and i was like what and she goes that's pretty far-fetched and i'm like it's a fucking ghost tree. What are you talking yeah, about? She just goes, oh, yeah, that is far-fetched. Like, I, no I love the hand sticking out at the end. Oh, that is, yeah. That's one of those. Oh. That was also far-fetched, I guess. I was like, what a weird critique. I love that Amy just did not accept the logic of this movie yeah. at all. I guess on its own, when you just see just that, and you don't see yeah. the context of the rest, I can kind of see how that is. It's though. pretty gross, though, the kind of like reverse birthing shot of the horse like sliding back into the tree yeah i had thought that it was really more of a clean jump into a portal that was a lot yeah what do you think was happening with that fucking bloody kiss of all the things in this movie that really scarred my mind like it made me really uncomfortable and like scared when i was younger yeah it really is weird and I'm watching it back i've i've forgotten that that even happened and so when i watched it today i had that visceral reaction <laughs> as it was happening where i'm like oh why yeah yeah i love it i think he definitely he definitely bitter face that's like, what i was like yeah it's like his, yeah, it's it's or it, i don't know it doesn't look like a kiss but it's it's not I don't yeah, know it's why, like, like, what about it, like, scarred me so bad. But I remember being a teenager, being like, I don't like this. I mean, <laughs> I that's always the image I take away from the movie, too. And quite frankly, it's because it's so just, like, bizarre. Oh, and, and Walken comes up with his oh, mouth. Yeah. Or, ah, yeah. with the teeth. That's awesome. that creepy teeth again. It's there just it cool, but again, scary. <laughs> he doesn't even have to, like, Christopher Walken didn't say a fucking line in the entire movie. 
and he's just still this incredible villain. Like he's not even the villain of the movie. You by can't the end. Like, teach yeah. having the look. He's just he's got, got, got the look. look. He's, he's got that perfect look. I mean, he I. I what, that first scene, I thought, okay, there is nobody more perfect than this than Christopher yeah. Walken for this role. Yeah, so agreed. Yeah, he's incredible. That just horrifying blue stare. Yeah, yeah, he's great. So we kind of come to the end of the road here, Stephanie. The bridge that we can't cross anymore. Uh, a final love letter to Sleepy Hollow. Just tell us what about this movie still lights you up every year. We're like, I can't wait to rewatch this movie. Well, one thing that hasn't been mentioned yet, which is one of my favorite things, is the score. I am a huge, huge Danny Elfman fangirl. I actually saw one of the live performances where it's the orchestra that plays all of the music from his movies. And he came on and performed as Jack Skeleton, and Catherine O'Hara came and performed as Sally, which was amazing. But I was, but that score. Yeah. is so haunting and perfect right from the beginning. And I feel yeah. like that those scenes, those for the first 10 minutes of the movie that we talked about, wouldn't be as effective without that beautiful mm. haunting with the choir. You know, it's just... You know, the yeah. one that always gets me is when they fade in the title. and Or maybe it's... it's No, sorry, it's not the title. I think they actually just fade in, like, the production company at the opening credits, and it's yeah. that really low, the... That, it's like a... It's like literally like a cello or something, just like a really low note that yeah. just like sets the tone. Yeah, it, it's it might be one of my favorite Danny Elfman scores from his from the Tim. It's Burton a good movies. point to bring up though, because I think I just always it's like baked into the cake. Like if it's yeah, Tim Burton, totally. yes, it has an awesome Danny Elfman score. They're oh, so yeah. they're so just intrinsically yeah, entwined totally. in my mind, right? Uh, it, it's- yeah. such it's so, such a perfect meld but i don't think yeah. that either would work without one the other you know it, yeah. it's just it's it's perfection it just it's like that like you said it's, it's the icing on the cake when you watch those first yeah. scenes you get the, the ambiance of what they're going for and it's just that yeah. haunting beautiful music that's true, that's true. yeah that's true. i i don't know i'm rewatching it today i was just stuck i remember it it's kind of just a yeah it was all right movie but I was struck today. It's just it's so good on so many levels, right? Just visually stunning, and the cast is amazing. And the little kind yeah. of visual breadcrumbs, the game of you know unfurling who does what when, even though it shouldn't matter, it's done in such a fun way that you're captivated. And just watching the horseman just be an absolute monster. The horseman is so goddamn effective, and his assault on that ginger family. I'm like, that's as scary as anything you'll see in a movie. That, that scene is perfection to me. Um, I was just stunned. I, I don't know that I had fully appreciated how much there was to love in this movie the first time I saw it. And I was really glad to rewatch it and have that experience. Same. Me too. And it's one of the few times, I, and we touched on it earlier, that the horseman is as creepy. Usually with a lot of horror movies, it's the first few moments that you see the monster or the killer uh, and then after a while, you get desensitized to them, and they're not as frightening when they come on frame. But he is scary. There's the one scene where where Crane is riding through. It's like that covered bridge, mm-hmm. you, and he come and he hears like the footstep. Well, first he hears something, and it's like the frog. He's like, okay, it's all right. And then he comes up behind him, and it's just so creepily done. It's so yeah. perfect. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's I wonderful. mean, I. I think it's just an awesome. And again, I know people are going to be mad. I know we're going to get things that I said, this is the Tim Burton movie for me. 
I understand that Tim Burton has more beloved films, guys. I just think it was really cool to see Tim Burton. Because this is the diff- this is the inversion of what he does, right? This is a horror movie with kind of Tim Burton fun. This mm-hmm. isn't Tim Burton fun yes. with the aesthetics of horror. And I'm a horror movie guy, man. It was fun to see Tim Burton make a full all-out horror movie. And I thought it was exceptional. And I Agreed. think, I might be wrong, but I think this is one of his few rated R movies, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Really? You know what's funny? I just assumed this was PG-13. But yeah, there's a lot of horrifying shit. I, <laughs> there's yeah. a lot That's of what it is. You're right. Like, this is, the str- <laughs> this is like a straight-up horror movie Tim Burton, what Tim Burton yeah. is directing. And like, it's his, I mean, it's really his only one. And it's... I think it's probably one of his most effective movies and it's one of the most entertaining ones. Like I, I love Tim Burton. I think he's a fine director, but this is by far one of my favorites, like top three for me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Stephanie, for making oh, hey. the time to come Steph. talk with us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank Steph, you guys sorry. for having me on. It's okay. I love talking movies. I love talking horror movies. And so this was right up my alley. So this was a blast. I would, I would love to do this again sometime. For sure. For sure. One more time. Tell everybody what they can find with your name on it. Okay. So you can go the easiest way is uh, in symmetrycreations.com. That is our online store. That's where you can buy all of our support merch, all of our books that are currently out um, and sign up for our email list on there to keep up with what we're doing. Socials. I am on Instagram at Steph Cannon Writes and on Twitter, S Cannon Writes. Or um, you can go to facebook.com forward slash in sim. And if you don't, we're sending the fucking horseman. (laughs) 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 All right, guys. Well, that's it for tonight. Thanks again to Steph. Buy all of her stuff and go find her stuff. Uh, You guys know the deal. It's a long marathon every day, a new pod. 31 days, 31 pods. So Alex and I will be back to see you guys tomorrow. Bye.